0: The season of Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, which is this Wednesday, and I'll see you at Bayport at 7 (laughs) (laughs) p.m. The purpose of Lent is to be a season of fasting, self-denial, Christian growth, penitence, conversion, and simplicity. Lent, which comes from the Teutonic Germanic word for springtime, can be viewed as a spiritual spring cleaning, a time for taking (coughs) spiritual inventory and then cleaning out those things which hinder our corporate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ and our service to him. It is in this Lenten season which reminds us that we are most fulfilled when we are (coughs) empty of self and filled with the spirit of God, becoming more transformed into the image of Christ. Thus, it is fitting that The season begins with a symbol of repentance, placing ashes mixed with oil on one's head or forehead. However, we must remember that our Lenten disciplines are supposed to ultimately transform our entire person, body, soul, and spirit. By observing the 40 days of Lent, the individual Christian imitates Jesus' withdrawal into the wilderness for 40 days. In the Bible, the number 40 is symbolic of a period of testing. Just as Noah's faith was put to test of 40 days and nights of rain, the children of Israel being tested in the wilderness for 40 years. And here we have Jesus fasting of 40 days, which happens before he begins his public ministry. And I just want to let you know that during and after the 40 days of fasting and emptying out self and drawing closer to God, you will be tested. No ifs, ands, or buts. You will be tested. Amen. So with all of that being said, I would like to talk to you for a few moments from the subject, Can you pass the test? Can you pass the test? I know it's been some time since some of us have taken tests, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So can you pass the test? There are three accounts of the temptation found in the Bible. One in Matthew, one in Mark, and one in Luke. Today, I'm going to use Matthew's account. Here in Matthew 4, we have a classic battle between the devil and the Messiah. Jesus had just come from one of the high points in his lifetime. He had been baptized, and at his baptism, his heavenly father had declared his love for Jesus, and Jesus had been anointed by the Spirit of God. Oftentimes, your wonderful spiritual experiences are followed by times of tremendous temptation. Understand this, God does not tempt us, but he will from time to time lead us into a situation, a trial, or a difficulty where we are tested so that our faith may be strengthened and proven genuine. It is in those weak moments that Satan whispers his lies. He tries to get us to doubt. He tries to get us to take matters in our own hands or even walk away from the Lord. Hebrews 4 and 15 says that Christ has endured all the temptations that we will have to endure, and guess what? He overcame them all. So we should look to him, who is the author and finisher of our faith, to learn how to prepare to pass the test. So let's take a look at the first temptation. Temptation. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice that Matthew explains that this temptation occurred after the 40 days of fasting. However, this does not mean that Satan did not battle Jesus the first 39 days of his fast. But now at the conclusion of the fast, the battle raged more intensely. Jesus Like Moses and Elijah before him, who had also fasted for 40 days, had spent an extended time of prayer and meditation. He was preparing himself for the next three years of ministry. Throughout this period of time, he had been so intensely seeking God that he did not miss food. But as the 40 days were ending, his hunger grew intense. So we must prepare for the test through prayer and meditation on the word of God. Prayer is one of the greatest tools one can have in the world because it opens the door to a dialogue with God. Well, now, we should already be doing this because we are supposed to be praying 10 minutes every day, right? Amen. Amen. So we got this one down. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> right? We're, we, we got this one. We, we don't have to worry about that. The most b- basic definition of prayer is talking to God. Prayer is not meditation or passive reflection. Prayer is direct address to God. It is the communication of the human soul with the Lord who created the soul. Prayer is the primary way for us as believers in Jesus Christ to communicate our emotions and our desires with God and to fellowship with God. So we have to pray. (laughs) In order for us to talk to our Father, we have to pray. And prayer is just talking to God. You don't have to say, oh, most gracious heavenly father, the omnipotent, omniscient one. Yo, man, are you listening?
1: Hey, God, it's me.
0: How you doing up there? <laughs> Just be you. Everyone has a different persona. Mm-hmm. And the way you talk to God is different. You know, somebody may say, Yo, God is me, what's up, what's up? <laughs> or, hey God is me. It's your loving daughter. I'm having a hard time. I, I I I need you to help me out here. Just a conversation. That's all it is, a conversation. We can do that. Some of you can get on the phone and talk for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. There you go. So why can't you talk to God for 10 minutes? That's where we are right now. And the thing is, God will know your voice. You will know God's voice. So when you need to hear, you'll be tuned in to the direction in which God is leading you. God, which way to go? I don't know what to do. And you gotta hear the right voice. But the only way to hear the right voice is to have that relationship. So Jesus had fasted for 40 days and nights and he was hungry because he had not eaten. So the devil came to him. Hey, Jesus, are you sure about your identity? Now, I know God just said that you was his beloved son. Well, if you believe that, then why don't you try it out and check your powers? Mm. You know you're hungry. Change these stones into loaves of bread right now. And as hungry as Jesus was, that probably sounded like a good idea. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> sounded like a good idea to his flesh. Because I know if I was hungry, I probably would have been like, I I can do it. Bam! (laughs) Mm -hmm. But Jesus is showing us what we need to do. But you see, Jesus loved the Father more than he wants to feed his flesh. And instead of changing the stones into bread, Jesus hits Satan with the word of God. Jesus says, listen, I'm not doing that because the scripture says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the strategy here is to use prayer and the word of God to pass the test. You see, your prayers must be effective to get results. And in order to get the results, they've got to be founded on the word of God. Let me slow down. I'm getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up! So in order for you to get results, they must be founded on the word of God and not on the tradition of the church. Prayer is the word of God alive in our mouths, spoken with faith, believing that God will honor his word. God wants us to call on him and he tells us if we call on him, he will answer with great and mighty things. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, Amen. will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. The understanding of the word of God is given to us through the Holy Spirit. So, Pastor Debbie, I try to read this word of God, but I just don't understand it. The understanding of the word of God is given to us through the Holy Spirit. We apply the word of God in the name of Jesus. We speak the word of God to situations and circumstances individually or together as believers, praying one for another with joy in knowing that we will receive. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. Prayer cannot work where doubt lives. Prayer can't work if you doubt. And that's hard for some of us. Prayer cannot work where the word of God does not live. And when we doubt that our prayers will be answered, we doubt the truth of God's word. We doubt God. As believers, our hearts, our minds, and our mouths should be full of the word of God. And when we prevail in prayer, Satan is defeated. Now let's look at the second temptation found in verses 5 through 7. Then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't test God. It's like, I'm not doing that. The wording of these verses indicate that the devil took Jesus, whether it was <coughs> physically or in some mental vision, forcibly to the highest pinnacle of the temple. And you see, the devil tried to tempt, the devil tries to tempt you by putting different things before you, hoping that once you see it, you won't mind sinning to get it. He is hoping that you see only what he wants you to see. By the way, to pass the test is to look at life the way God wants you to see it. You need to look at every situation with your spiritual and critical eye. When you begin to look at things with the spiritual and critical eye, you will begin to see that many times we are misled. So we have to make sure that we are seeing the right thing. Because the devil will show you and miscrew things, and you don't see it clearly. Which causes confusion. So we have to make sure that we use our spiritual eyes to see the right things. The final temptation occurs in verses 8 through 11. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said. The nerve. (laughs) He's going to act like the world is his? (laughs) All this I'll give to you if you will bow down and worship me. And Satan has done that. And in the 21st century, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you wealth. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you success. And many people will give their soul to the devil for a few moments of fame, for a few moments of success. But what happens in the afterlife? Your soul is your most precious gift. You do not sell your soul to the devil. I came across this video. I'm not sure if my husband showed it to me. But this pastor who had... I'm not sure if it was a dream or he had died. I, I think it was a dream. But in this dream, he went to hell. And he was talking about the music. The music that we listen to. He said, some of the music that is formulated in these recording studios come through the devil. Many artists will smoke a joint. What do you, what do you call them today? I don't know what you call we, them today. We. <laughs> we. We. And invite the devil in through the music. Get this. He said when he went in hell, he heard the same music that we listen to now in hell. So these were, I guess, designed by, these, by, the, by the enemy, inspired by the enemy. Because some artists will say, oh, I need to get high so that my creative juices will start flowing. But those creative juices are of the devil, of the enemy. Because if you have, if God has blessed you with creativity, you don't need to be high to let those creative juices flow. They flow. And then he said that he saw a person on all fours like a dog, and the devil, this imp had a leash around their neck. So because they sold their soul to the devil, now they were the devil's dog. And this is what he talked about he saw in, his, in, in this dream or when he died. or We don't think about these things. I never thought about that. That just the way we invoke the presence of the Lord, that there's somebody out there invoking the presence of the enemy, the devil, to do evil. So the devil is saying to Jesus, hey, I'll give you all of this if you would just bow down and worship me. You see, Satan just gave Jesus an eye exam and he told Jesus to look around and I will give you all of this if you kneel down and and worship me. And Jesus basically said, man, you done lost your mind. (laughs) The word of God says to me that I must worship the Lord my God and serve him only. That's why it's so important. We've got to know the word of God. How can we use the word of God against the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? You've got to know it. You've got to read it. It, it, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You've got to have the word of God in your heart. So see, Satan tried to appeal to Jesus' eyesight, but Jesus let Satan know, I may be looking at the same land that you are looking at. But I don't see the same things that you see. Because when I look, I see the trees that God made. I see the grass that God grew. I see the sky that God created. I see the ocean that God spoke into existence. I see the rainbow. Amen. That God has placed in the sky. I will only worship the Lord God, my Savior. Jesus said to him, get away from me, Satan. Get thee behind me. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So to pass this test, I'm going to stand still so that I can see the salvation of the Lord. I'm only planning to look back where God has brought me from, and I'm only planning on watching as well as praying. I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help, for my help comes from the Lord. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord And worship him only to pass the eye exam. The Bible says after that, then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Once again, Satan tries to lure Jesus into denying who he is and what he has been called to do. He lures him with the easy solution. No cross necessary. Hey, Jesus, you ain't got to go to the cross. You ain't got to go through all that stuff that God is planning for you to go through. All you got to do is just bow down and worship me and it'll be over. Satan will make it easy for you. He knows what you like and will flash it in front of your face. But you must remember that you should worship only the Lord and worship simply means pure adoration unto God. It's not based on acts of blessings, but worship is based on God's nature and the fact that he alone is God. Worship puts God in his rightful place as the worshiper reflects on who God is. Worship is much more than just singing. Worship includes prayer, silence, reading, dancing, clapping, and many other expressions of adoration. Worship is nothing more than one, than opening one's heart to God. And enjoying a relationship of loving communion with him. Through worship, you, become, you, you, you come to God and you have an immediate experience with God and then you go forth transformed. Bob Sorge, he states that worship is the deep within us calling out to the deep in God. So in conclusion, I pray that you all have received the tools you need to pass the test of temptation and make Jesus real proud to have you in the kingdom. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for each and every one that is assembled here. God, we love you, and we want to do what is right. So God, help us to remember the tools we need to pass the test. Help us to be good and faithful servants that you will be well-pleased with. Give us everything that we need, Father. All of these blessings we ask in Jesus' name, let the church say Amen. Amen.